We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know what else is going to be important for fall camp is depth. Yes, absolutely. Depth is vitally important. And obviously there's going to be a depth piece from in regard to who doesn't win the starting right guard job. Notre Dame needs depth to emerge. They've been, they were fortunate last year, Vince, as I, as I think through the season, I mean, you had Jared Patterson miss the first game. Right. After that, I don't, remember them losing anybody right like josh lug played the whole season blake didn't miss any time joe didn't miss any time zeke didn't miss any time they were fortunate yeah. 2021 was a, a like it was co- sort of like okay we we went through you know looking at it from Notre Dame standpoint you know you went through we went through so much with you know having to go down to a fourth left tackle yeah. you know zeke Carell's gets banged up jared patterson gets hurt again plays through it jared patterson played through a lot of injuries in his Notre Dame career um, which props to him for that sure and you just you just had man it was just a ton of bad luck on the offensive oh. line and then in 2020 like it was a, yeah and then 2020 was a similar situation because you know you were kind of steady there for a while i thought you had the best line in college football and then Jarrett patterson goes down and then tommy kramer goes actually it was the other way around tommy kramer went down then Jarrett patterson went down and then josh lug got hurt who was ste- and, and, and or then zeke steps in he gets hurt then Josh Lug steps in, he gets hurt, but Josh was able to play through it. Josh, had, I mean, talk about a Josh played know, through a I, lot I know too in his career. Like we're hard on him. I thought he was a little better than may, people give him credit for. Absolutely. However, however, I feel like people don't appreciate how much Josh dealt with injury wise during mm-hmm. his career that, that, that not only cost him games, but more so the stuff that he played with that kid played with some major injuries. So did Didn't Jared he have a back, a back injury, back, shoulder, knee, yeah. like Can you imagine kid, playing offensive line with a back injury. Yes. Like, a six foot seven God. and a half offensive lineman with the bat with back issues. So he was a warrior, but he just got sapped by of a lot of the power that he had early yeah. in his career. Yeah. But you you had those injuries in 2020, and you just kind of went through this for a while, for a couple of years. And hopefully Notre Dame's entering a period of time where they'll, they'll have some some good luck, because some of that stuff is just good luck. Sure. 
And so I look at it, Vince, and you say, when you look at the offensive line, you ask yourself, okay, if there's an injury, if they're healthy, should be pretty good. But what if there's an injury? Right. And I think that's a big, still a big question mark is, is depth going to merge? And then, so then it comes down to a, a, a guy that I think could be a very important player for Notre Dame this year. That's Tosh Baker. You know, got Tosh is a guy that I had ranked very high top hundred guy coming out of high school, loved his upside. The question with him was, could he put on the weight and keep mm-hmm. his athleticism? It took a while. It, it, he hasn't, he struggled with that a little bit. It's looked better, but the the thing is, he's had a he's had a hard time. He's so tall that I, I think he struggles a little bit, Vince, with playing with good pad level consistently. He's going to have to get better about that. But what we heard was he had got a lot better during spring. He really took to coach he stands coaching, and and then continued that in the spring with Coach Rudolph, to the point where he played well enough to where, uh, you know, I kind of felt like. He was a guy, Vince, that you say, you know, he might be a guy that you sit there and you're watching that right guard battle go and you're like, but Tosh is better than those guys. You know, like that's that's the reality. Tosh is better than those guys. So that's you 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 keep it on him. Now the question is, do you move him to guard knowing that you've now taken your tackle depth away? Right. Or do you, you know, so that'll be a question mark, but Tosh Baker really continuing to grow is going to be a big part of this because he can play right tackle, left tackle, and even some guard. Right. right. That he's the of the veterans. And then the other one is, can Michael Carmody put on weight and stay healthy? At this point in time, I just have little faith in that happening, but he's going to have to, he's going to have to be another guy. Those are the two veterans. Other than that, Vince, the depth is almost exclusively going to come from younger players, younger yep. or more inexperienced players at this point in time. And we'll have to see who, um, who steps into that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys on that second team. When they roll out the second team, it's going to be, okay, who are they going to put on the Like, who has emerged on that second team? Because right now it feels like Tosh Baker is kind of the, the plug-and-play guy. If somebody goes down, it just feels like Tosh Baker is probably going to be the guy that goes in, outside of center, of course. But, you know, it just Possibly. feels like – you know, yeah, yeah. A tackle for sure. A tackle for sure. for sure, yeah. And he – I mean, he's the primary backup at both tackle spots. Yeah, I, mean, that's, I would that's, imagine so. Yeah, yeah. I I feel that way going in. I, I feel like if it was a situation where, let's say, Blake Fisher goes down for a couple series, they'd put Emil Wagner in. 
because okay. he's practicing right tackle. But if Blake's going to miss four or five games or two, three, four games, gotcha. then they would move Tosh over. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you've no, been absolutely. in those situations before, Vince, where you're like, hey, this is our number. This is our sixth best lineman. But well, he took no reps at right tackle this week. I'm not going to put right. him in that situation right. to get us out of a couple quarters. But hey, we just found out that our starting right tackle is going to be out for five weeks. Now we're okay, going to move so him over. Now we now we're going to say we're going to move that guy over right. and get him the practice reps that he needs. Right. That's kind of what I mean by that. I yep. can see it makes that. perfect sense. Yeah, it makes perfect so, sense. Uh, but you know, Tosh is the veteran. But then after that, I mean, you do have the very talented younger players. Emil Wagner's a very talented young man. Held up much better in the spring game than I thought he was going to be. He was moving people at times, Vince. I was like, okay, this cat's still mm-hmm. only 280 pounds, but he's moving people. That's what we were hoping to see. Now, can he maybe add just about five, five to seven more pounds? Is all I need to see from Emil in this year to be like, so okay, he's ready coming to go. in. He was so and he skinny. still looks skinny. Yeah, he just but, has but a hard time keeping though, weight when, on. When you watch the spring game, you're like, this kid was listed at 278, but he's not getting knocked back. Yeah, he's not struggling to anchor. He's moving dudes off the line at times in the run game. You're like, this kid plays with a lot more power, and that's where that five-star upside comes into play. You know, But can he just gain five, seven, eight more pounds this offseason and still move that way? That's right. going to be the big question. And then, of course, he's got to continue to enhance his technique and all that. But, man, Vince, you saw in the spring game, we saw in the practices, when Emil gets into a nice pass set and he's comfortable with his technique and you try to run into his chest – he gets those freaking arms out, and they are long, and he has got, like, bricks at the end of his arms. Like, right. not hands. I feel like, like he's got bricks, and he he can play with some power. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised by that because I knew he had that in high school. I just thought he would need a little bit more weight to be able to move people the way that he did. Now, I think he would need to to do it week after week after week but I don't, he doesn't need, we've said this, he doesn't need to be 300 pounds. He just needs to be like 285, 290. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause Ryan and I have talked about this in the show when we've done draft stuff. Like Nicholas Pettit Frere has a, a frame that's a little similar to, to Emil's. He's a little thicker, but they got him at Ohio State up to 310 and he just lost all his athleticism. Right. Right. Like you got to be careful. If this kid can play at 290 and move people and anchor and not get knocked back. Then, then be comfortable with him there. Robert Hainsey was only over 300 pounds one year of his career. Zach Martin only got to 300 pounds, what, a senior year? Mm-hmm. Redshirt fifth year, something like that. Zach Martin as a redshirt freshman was 290, and he was a stud from the minute he stepped into the starting lineup. So, you know, when you look at that kind of thing, Vince, I start feeling really good about where, where Emil is as a player right now. If he can just keep, keep building where he's right. going. Right. Right. So that's that's cool how I feel now. Other than that, there's some other young guys that we're, we're keeping an eye on. We've got to look at Ashton Craig. Can he continue? He's another guy that needs, needs to put a little bit of weight on, but he got up over to 290 already and, yeah. and had a great spring. Like he put on weight a lot sooner than I thought. You know, Pat Coogan lacks the athleticism you want, but he brings great toughness and intelligence. You know, if you need a, a guy in the pinch to at center guard, you know, he's another young guy to keep an eye on. Sure. Uh, Charles Jagasaw is going to show up this spring. Sam Pendleton, I thought, showed some nice things in the spring. He really reshaped his body. So there's a lot of talent there, especially on the inside, Vince. I mean, Ty Chan played left tackle during the spring. I hope they, they move him inside the guard. He looks he looks like a fish out of water at tackle right now. He needs to move inside. But if they move him inside, I think Ty could have a chance to compete. So there's a lot of talent, Vince. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. talent. It's just and a lot of untested gonna, talent. Who's going you know to step I mean? up? Right, yeah, he's exactly. going to step up and fall camp, Vince. That's right. What, that's what I'm. I'm looking forward to. I'm, yeah, I'm, that's going to be one of the things I'm going to be watching most during fall camp. Is 
gonna have you guys down there charting a receiver DB one on ones. I'm like, I don't care. I'm watching this old line D line <laughs> battle, right? Like, and that's normally not the case, right? Because it's very important. Both both sides of the ball have young guys that need to step up and establish themselves. And I want to see who does. Yeah, it's going to be question. Well, I'm looking at the roster, right? And I'm looking at all the offensive linemen, and, and you talk about the youth movement and all of these different things, right? And so you start sophomore, senior, senior, sophomore, freshman, 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 junior, freshman, senior, freshman, senior, freshman, freshman, junior, freshman, sophomore, junior. Like those are their their playing years, right? You know, red shirt and all that stuff. It's a lot of freshman eligibility. You know yes. what I mean? And, and just a lot of youth that we're talking about and it's you're absolutely who's going to like all these guys are right here like who's going to take that step and be like hey this guy right here like i'm the best of these guys you know or or a couple of guys are going to have to do that like what does that look like because look those guys aren't necessarily going to play this year barring injury right but there's going to be some openings going into next year so what is you know we need That's a to, good point, Vince. They're you know, jockeying for position to who's going to step exactly. into the offseason as that number one spot. Because, you know, Zeke could come back for a sixth year, but he could also say, like, I, I, if he's healthy this year, look, I've got 26, hopefully 27 starts in the last two years. Right. I'm close to 30 for my career. I've been able to stay healthy for a couple of years. How much better am I going to get in year six? Right. Right. I'm going to take Especially my chance to go to the NFL. If now. he's a top right. five center in the country. Right. You know what I mean? Am like, I going to be, really be able to improve my draft stock in year six? Right. You know? And he may choose to go to the NFL, right? Get your master's and go to the NFL. All good. And he may choose to come back for a sixth year. But if he does go to the NFL, and let's say Joe goes to the NFL, you, know, you, you got to ask yourself a lot of questions. So what if Andrew Kristoffic steps into the starting lineup, starts all year, solid football? Do you bring him back for a sixth, or is it time to move on to the, you know, the, to get those, re- there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made this offseason. Yes. And some of them will be determined by how guys play in those backup spots. Absolutely. Who steps you, into those roles? Those are you going to be spots, recruiting right? these guys to come back? You know what I mean? Just like you said, right? Are you going to be, look, if you're if you're Joe Rudolph, you want Zeke Crawl to come back. I mean, that, absolutely. But you're also going to counsel him for what's best for him. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> you could have upwards of, you could have four open spots potentially. Let, let's say Mike Fisher has a great year. He needs, he wants to jump. Let's say Joel has a great year. He wants to jump. See, Carell doesn't think he can get better draft stock wise. He jumps and Andrew Kostovic is the right guard. He jumps. I'm saying that's worst case scenario. I mean, but, but here's the thing. It's worst case scenario for 2024. It's a that's great best case scenario, scenario for 2023. For- yeah, and absolutely. that's really what we're talking about here, right? Is for the sure. 2023 to for your sure. point, Vince. It's like, yeah. if we're mm-hmm. having those conversations, like, I don't know how much better Zeke can get. Well, we're asking that question because that means he was really good this year. Absolutely. Right? That's what that question is centered around. Right. Well, you know what, Zeke? You were pretty flipping good this year, man. I don't know how much better film you're going to put on on the field next year. Why don't you go ahead and do what you got to do, what's best for you? Because you know my stance on this, Vince. During the season, you are 100% what's best for the team. Absolutely. Once the season's over with, your number one priority is let me figure out what's best for me. Then I'm then when you decide whether you're going to be back with the team or not, then you're back to being here's what's best for the team. Sure. But in between, you know, winter workouts and the end of your season, you, that's your time to focus on you yep. and what's best for you. And so if you're in a situation where those three starters and maybe even Christopher are all gone, why are they gone? Most likely it's because this offensive line was phenomenal. 
Right. And right. so I'll, I'll, I'll embrace needing oh. to replace all four of those guys. <laughs> Absolutely. But because the line is dominant. And that's the whole point, Vince, right. of this particular conversation. Exactly. Right. That shapes the conversation that we're having about, okay, let's say four guys go. What is it looking like? How are these guys jockeyed for position behind them to fill those roles? I mean, you're mm-hmm. you're talking about anywhere from four, one to four positions being open going into next year. Mm-hmm. Right. So, or zero to four, let's, 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 let's go complete opposite. So you got, everybody's going to have eligibility coming back who, no matter who starts. So you're going to have anywhere from zero spots open going into 24 to four spots open going into 24. So the jockeying for position underneath these starters is crucial. It's crucial. Very important. You know, and, and not necessarily for 23, but for moving forward. So it's just fun to think about, you know. It is, man. I just it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm sorry, right. Ryan just Ryan just texted me something and it made me laugh. So fair enough. Uh, but uh, look, it, a couple guys to keep an eye on that I think their improvement this off season could have the biggest impact the next two years beyond the guys we've already talked about as starters. And I want to talk about them as we wrap this up. And we'll. Okay. We'll have a freshman show as we get closer, so we're not going to talk about the freshmen right now. And, and you guys want to ask questions about them? We can, you can, we'll do it in the mailbag. But here, here's here's a couple guys. And it's obviously we talked about Billy Shrouth already. Yeah, there's two guys that I still consider young guys because of either eligibility or they just flat out are young <laughs> that could have a big impact on this offensive line present and future. And and they are Rocco Spindler and Ashton Craig. Those are the two. I want to first talk about Rocco. Because he's a very interesting kid. Very. He put on a lot of weight early, and it wasn't good weight. His feet got slow. Mm-hmm. And he just he looked, looked nothing healthy. like the the, yeah. the top 150-ish guy, top 100-ish guy that he was coming out of high school. He just couldn't move his feet. He just was mm-hmm. dumpy looking. I mean, and yep. I don't know how else to – I don't mean that to be disrespectful. I just don't just, know other way to, to describe it. Just there. didn't look – Yeah. Yeah. It just the kind yeah. of chubby thighs. Just yep. didn't look – didn't – you know. And then – Kind of looked a little better in fall camp, according to you guys, but still slow footed. I obviously mm-hmm. didn't see it. Then the spring, I got a chance to see him, and you're like, you know, at times his feet, but he he looked like he was moving a little bit better. He's still right. big. Agreed. He's still a big kid, but his body didn't look as chunky, like you know, flabby. Uh, he's starting to put better weight on, and when he get, got his feet right, he would move people. And ended the spring on a very positive note. If Rocco yes. can build, somebody used the word frumpy. I think it's a really good phrase, like frumpy. I just, I don't know how to explain it, but you know it when you see it. And that's yeah, exactly what Rocco had been. But he started, he's starting to reposition his body. I've seen some, he's been in some of the workout videos they're putting out. And you're like, okay, Rocco's starting to actually get some definition to his body, right? Because he's also the son of an, of an NFL player. His his father, dad was is Mark Spindler, who played in the NFL for a, a while. I think he was a defensive lineman. For the Lions, okay. correct, Vince? I think. But anyway, if if Rocco can kind of build on what we saw this spring, at the very least, you're going to be in a situation if you're Joe Rudolph, where you're like, I've got to play both of them, Andrew Kostafik and Rocco. I got to play both of them. It's right. so, similar to what we saw with like Tommy Kramer and Robert Hainsey in 2017. And I'm okay with that. Or, best case scenario for him is he beats Andrew Kostafik out. If Rocco Spindler, and this is going to sound like a shot at Andrew Kostopic, it's not, because I love Andrew Kostopic as a prospect. Right. And we've already said, like, if he's the starter, I just have a level of confidence in the offense. Yeah. I'm just I'm just making a point, just kind of big picture. 
if if Rocco fully taps into what he's capable of and what we thought he could be, he's just got the better ceiling as a guard, in my opinion, because sure. he can move people. And if you put 325-pound Rocco Spindler, let's say he loses five pounds and he's only 320, reshapes his body, loses five pounds. And let's say those five pounds go to Blake Fisher and Blake's all of a sudden 315 again, right? You're talking about a big, physical, moving right side of your offensive line. You, you really do. I mean, and now you've got some ability to where, hey, the left side may be our best side, but when we need a yard, we're going yeah. behind Blake and Rocco. You know, and, and that to me is a situation where that could really help solidify things, not just this year, but now you have at least two starters coming back in 2024. Right. So present and future. That's my thoughts on on what Rocco could could do if he, he can he's have the, improvement. He's the prime example of what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about steady Eddie, you know, Kristoffic, uh, mm-hmm. and then the guy with the higher ceiling, but we just don't know what the floor is. Rocco Spindler fits that category perfectly. He's got a higher ceiling than Andrew Kristoffic. That's that's just facts. I mean, he he's got more talent. He's a bigger body. He's stronger. Those are just facts. Any compliments, Blake? I mean, him and Blake Fisher would oh, then have very similar skill sets at absolutely. that point in time they're, in the run game. They're, they're grinders. They're they're meat grinders, man. Like the road graders, or you know, whatever synonym or whatever comparison you want to make, right? But that he is exactly who I was thinking of when I was making that comparison. We just don't know what the floor is for Rocco Spindler right now. His biggest priority going into fall camp is raising his floor. If he can get his floor up. He's your starter at right guard. But that's the big question mark. Can he be the consistent guy that he needs to be? Because the upside is so good, but he needs to raise that floor. That's what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And you make a good point about him kind of reshaping his body a little bit because he was looking frumpy, man. And it was yeah. it was disappointing because when he signed, I remember when he signed uh, or when he committed to Notre Dame, I was like, man, th- he has the potential to be, you know, the next great guard at Notre Dame. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he could be that guy, right? And then it was very disappointing because it was like he almost ate himself out of the position, it felt like. He just got I, too big. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would say th- that, Vince. It, that could have been it. But sometimes kids just get into nutrition programs and their body just doesn't have a great rack. It could have just been he was out eating large pizzas at night. I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to put that you on. Know what I, mean? I don't know. Like, that I get sure. where you're coming from, right. but sometimes, like you know, this kid starts. You know, maybe he had an injury that cost him a month, and because he's already a naturally big kid anyway, put some weight on that he hasn't been sure. able to get off. But th- whatever the end result is, a lot of bad weight, that, and, and it and it affected thing. his feet. It affected right. his movement, and it, it just he just looked like a, a a big traffic cone who was getting guys were going around him, and it was right. it was he just wasn't able to move. He has reshaped some things, and I give a lot of credit to him, which is the direction I wanted to go here. Give a lot of credit to him for just being like, you know, well, I, you know, it's just not going to happen for me here. Right. You know, he <clears throat> went but back to work. Yes, because you he know, transferred so quickly. Vince. Oh, absolutely. He was a he was a forgotten man there for a little while at the at the guard position. He was well, not we write fans. off redshirt freshman. Right. Not from the fans, yeah. But like, some of them, you know. Yeah, but I he was a point. forgotten guy, and he could have cut bait. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't. He went back into the lab, and he got himself back to where he's now competing for a starting position. Just what's that floor going to be? That's the big right. question. 
And if it's up, if he brings that floor up, right. man, that right side is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Well, somebody in the chat just said, Mr. 2.0 just said this, Vince, and it fits along. Imagine Rocco and Billy at their full potential on the same line with Joe Walton. I mean, that's the whole yeah. point, right? I mean, that's that's the thing to get you a little bit excited. There's a cautious optimism about just how good this line yeah. can be. Is if and when we talk about full potential, we're talking about full potential for this stage of their careers. We're not talking right. about Billy Shrouth becomes the best he'll ever be as a redshirt freshman, or it's the potential, their full potential for right now, right? right? Quentin Nelson in 2015 reached his full potential as a redshirt freshman. He was a better player in 2017, right? But that was about as good as he could have been in 2015, and even right. lost two games to an injury and came back and was still pretty darn good. That's the point, is, is the, the, their full potential for who they are now. Then yeah, you you and now we go into 2024 with okay, there's an establishment there. Yes. Right. And then if Zeke decides to come back for a six year, you're like then you've got your center right. guard tackle right. that we just talked about all coming back. But if Zeke doesn't come back, that's why it's important that Ashton Craig have a really right. good season. Right. And and I would love to see this team just whoop some people this year to where Ashton gets a hundred, you know, 70, 80 snaps. And Pat Coogan gets some snaps and Tosh gets a bunch of snaps and you get the freshmen into some games because you're just blowing people out. You know what I mean? Right. But Ashton Craig is a guy that I loved coming out of high school events. And, you know, we've talked about this. When Joe Walt committed to Notre Dame, we talked, I, I mean, I said, so this is a great pickup. You know, I was very hard on Jeff Quinn about a lot of things, but I loved that pickup. And that was not a situation where they missed on some dude and just, Right. stumbled onto Joe Walt. Like there were still big time tackles on the board. They took they took a flyer on Joe Walt. And it was a it was it was smart and working out okay. Right. And the the point that you and I talked about at the time was give me a kid like that every year. A kid who's 250, 260, maybe doesn't have the size right now, but this kid's really long and athletic, has some natural power and give me that guy every year. This past year was Joe Otting. Right? I mean yeah. that was the guy this right. past year. I love that kid. I know you love that kid. Ryan loves that kid. Ryan might love him more than any of us. And, and that's saying a lot because we both like him a lot. Right. You know, but but give, give me that kid every year. And I think Notre Dame's done very well to find those guys. And Ashton Craig was that he version. Was that kid in right. 22. Yeah. And so I think when he committed, I had him as a three-and-a-half-star kid with four-and-a-half-star upside. And then he put on about 15 pounds as a senior, got up to like 270, 275, had a great senior year, yeah. earned a top 250 grade. So by the time he was done, he was a top 250 caliber player. And I think you could have made a case if he was even about 10 or 50 pounds heavier that he's he's a borderline top hunter. I mean, that's the upside that, that Ashton Craig showed. He, I mean, his, he's his an growth, athletic kid. Oh, his growth, and I'm not, I'm not talking physically, but his growth from a player standpoint. Like, oh, Notre Dame did a great job of getting on him his junior year. Yes, and he was kind of that Before like he blew up. Remember, remember when he committed? Everybody's like, oh, "Who's this kid from Indiana? The yeah. small school in Indiana? Like nobody really ever." I heard thought of that him. when I heard that they were going to offer him because right. I hadn't seen the film yet. Exactly, and then he committed, and it's like, okay, well, whatever. But then his senior year, he just right. he blew up. He blew right. up, and it, it has it has worked out well for Notre Dame. So I, I agree with you. But I I loved his up. I loved his potential, Vince. I mean, yes, just from, from day one, we love the, the potential. And this is what we said is like, look, I know that I know it's easy to get obsessed with rankings, but like this is the kind of offensive lineman that in two, three years ends up becoming a dude for Notre mm -hmm. Dame. And and that's that's what he brings to the table. I mean, look, he, Ashton Craig has a chance to be a really, really good player for Notre Dame. And the question is, is he going to be able to show that 
now? Right. And is it going to be, um, you know, is he going to be able to move the needle and, you know, at certain positions, is he going to be a center guard? Those are all still questions, but there's talent there. Vince, I'm going to read the last paragraph of the class impact article I wrote the day he committed to Notre Dame. I said, if you're someone who is obsessed with star ranking, this is a player that won't move the needle much. But if you're a film watcher, an evaluator, and someone who looks more at projection and upside than star ranking, this is a pickup that adds value to the Notre Dame 2022 recruiting class. You know, and and but you what you saw from him was athleticism, yep, right, and you saw strength, and this is something we talked about on the show in the article as well. The Lawrence, I said, the Lawrenceburg standout shows impressive quickness off the ball, both offensively and on defense, despite his lack of girth. On film, he does show long arms and strong hands, and that combination of strength and quickness should allow him to thrive inside. And, uh, you know, the question was, could he play center guard? And that's still the question for Notre Dame, and it's more of a question now, Vince, from the standpoint of he proved that he can do both. Right. So there's a confidence that Notre Dame is like, we would play him wherever the need was greater. Mm-hmm. Right? And so even though we talk about Christophic and Rocco at guard, don't be shocked if at times you start hearing Ashton Craig's name mentioned as someone who could maybe slide over there yeah. in battle if those guys aren't getting the job done. I think what the staff would ideally like to do is leave him where he is at center right? and then groom to be the next guy. But once apparent. he's comfortable at yeah. center, then move him. That may happen sooner than expected. right? And it, or it could just be a thing where this kid's too good for us not to play. And yeah. so, yeah, we got to move him to, to guard. And that's where Pat Coogan's important because if you move Ashton off a of center, Pat Coogan can take over that number two center spot and 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 be a tough, smart, physical kid. He doesn't move his feet real well, but he's a big, strong, physical kid that that will battle and is really smart. Sure. So sure. there's value there. And you also have Joe Odding who can play center. So you have some flexibility now because of, because of landing Joe Odding that you don't have to keep Ashton Craig at center if – there's a greater need somewhere else. Right. It's and, that whole and, best five yeah. on the field situation, right. right? I mean. And he brings that too. Right. But even if he doesn't start, Ashton puts you in a situation where you go into the offseason, if Zeke decides to go pro, where you say, man, Zeke was really good the last year, this last year, last year and a half, really. Zeke was really good. But I think we're going to be okay. Right, because this kid's got a lot of potential too. Sure. And this is also where a guy like Zeke Carell can leave his legacy at Notre Dame as well. Is, is from what I've been told, Zeke's a great leader, and he strikes me as the kind of kid that he's going to take whoever the heir apparent is, whether it's after this season or after next season, and groom that kid along to make right. sure he's ready to step right in. That's the kind of kid that I think Zeke Carell is. And so as long as as is there, he's receptive to that. I think Ashton Craig could be that guy, but he's the other young player that I have my eye on that could make some serious noise in fall camp. Vince for the Notre mm-hmm. Dame offensive line of the non freshmen, right? Because sure. we always get excited about the freshmen, right? Of course, and we kind of already written off the redshirt freshman class and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but Rocco and we we already talked about a meal at tackle. But I'm talking inside. Those are right. the two guys inside that that can be that guy. And and I got to feel that you'll. Know, Outside, Emil Wagner, it's a big year for him, too, mm-hmm. because you say, well, let's say Joe Walt goes pro and, and Blake says, I'm coming back, and then you're going to move Blake to left tackle. Now, all of a sudden, you're in a situation where Emil and Tosh Baker are going to battle for that starting right tackle job. That 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 He needs to put himself in position where it's like, hey, I, I this is my job, right? right? Yeah, you can move Tosh over here, but this is my job. And then, you know, obviously, Tosh will try to do the same thing on his end. But if if you're in a situation where they both leave, which is great for 2023, okay, Tosh can start at one side and meal at the other, and you you feel like okay, they're inexperienced, but 
after Texas A&M, the schedule is pretty favorable for the next month and a half that they can they can get comfortable, right? Right, absolutely. But but you want to you start feeling that way now, right? And that's what to me, I, I'm not worried about Emil Wagner earning a starting job, but I want to see right. growth from Emil Wagner to where a if somebody goes down, he can step in and handle his job, but b that he can put himself in position that next year in 2024 there's going to be a legit battle right. for that spot, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Whether Blake slides over to left and he's stepping into right, or if Blake and Joe both leave, either way. Yeah. So again, Vince, there's a lot of talent. The question is, how much will the talent grow this year? And and it, I don't know how how many people care about that, but for me, that's one of the oh. most intriguing storylines of this. <laughs> I care of, this, uh, <laughs> of fall camp for me. Yeah, absolutely. So. You ready for our last three segments, Vince? The fun yeah, part. Yeah, these what are we fun. Do? Yeah, these are fun. Let's let's do this. So the 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 first one is is the confidence. Like, so uh, you might have I might have this a little off since I haven't done this with you in a little bit. But it's it's your confidence level in the in the in the room. Yeah, just overall, what's our what's our confidence level uh, okay. in in the team? What's the thing we have the greatest confidence in as well? Like, kind of looking at it from that angle. My my confidence level right now is an eight, and, and that is Vince. I, I feel like this is going to be a good offensive line. Right. This is going to be a top 10 offensive line. And, and that's good enough to have a really good offense, right? There's no doubt. My question is, is this the kind of offensive line? I think, but I think the question still remains, Vince, is this the kind of offensive line that can go into Ohio State, go into Clemson, go into USC and, and dominate those matchups? Because here's the reality. You feel good about this offensive line playing well against Clemson because we just saw it. Right. And Clemson lost their two best defensive linemen. <laughs> you, you, you don't have that same com- – Ohio State is still pr- – show me. Because when you pop on the film of last year's Notre Dame Clemson game, you see Notre Dame whooping Clemson's butt. Mm-hmm. When you pop on the film of Ohio State Notre Dame last year, you see the Ohio State front seven and Jim Knowles whooping Notre Dame's butt. That's just a fact. It's not debatable. You know, Notre Dame lost that battle. Did they get their? Did they get dominated? No, they didn't get dominated, but they got their butts whooped. If that makes sense, right? Like sure. they couldn't make the plays they needed to make. Every time there was a big stop that that Ohio State needed to make, they they made the play. Whether it was a defensive line, it was a Mike Hall or Tommy Eichenberg coming on a blitz or one of the ends setting the edge effectively, they outplayed Notre Dame start to finish. And Notre Dame's going to have to play better in that matchup. So there's still a lot for this unit to prove. But I feel like. This team is going to be heavy. Is going to be a really good. If you're one of the ten best in the country at your position group, Vince, you're pretty darn good. Yeah. But there's a difference between being the eighth best line, the third best line, or the best line. That's the question, and that's where my confidence level is more of a yeah. With that, I need to see it. Sure. Is the potential there? Yes. But for me, it comes down to. What I can say confidently right now is that this is going to be, without a doubt, one of the 10 best offensive lines of college football. Where I'm not confident is where within that top 10 are they going sure. to rank. Yeah, I, I I feel like the offensive line as a whole kind of mimics the microcosm of the right guard position. So, And here's what I mean by that. I think this offensive line has a very high floor. I, I think they have a very, very high floor. I don't know what their ceiling is. I think their ceiling is yet to be determined. And so that puts me at like an eight, eight and a half out of 10 confidence level on who this offensive line is going to be. Because number one, I don't know who the right guard is going to be. So where does that ceiling fall? Well, how does, you know, Billy Shroud fit in with Joe Ald and Zeke Carell? And does, you know, Fisher take that next? All the things that we just talked about, all the questions that we have going in about this offensive line, like what, but I still feel like with all of those questions, 
it's a very high floor, which 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 I agree with you, and I will echo what you're saying. Top ten, no doubt. Like the floor is top ten. That's the floor for this offensive line, even with two brand new starters. But what's the ceiling going to be? I think it can be very high. I think this. I think the ceiling for this group can be very high. I think they can work really really well together. The thought of Rocco and and Blake on the same side being that road grader side, you know, the the thought of an All American and Joe All and the the ceiling, the of athletic Billy side, Shrouf, yeah, yeah, like all of those things are very exciting to me. I see a very high ceiling, but they got to prove it. I mean, we've got to see right. it, and that's going to be the proof in the put. And then you just throw in you throw that curveball in of a new offensive line coach right. as well, right? Would you say Vince that the floor is pretty high as well? Like, do you agree with me that this is going to be a top 10 line? I mean, yeah. barring injury and Absolutely. Some stuff like Joe Rudolph just not being a good coach. Which the floor is super yeah. high on this. Yeah. 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 The, so then it's okay, but can they reach their ceiling? Correct. So that's what you're saying. Like, I yep. expect this to be a pretty good offensive line. Yeah. But yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Uh, to answer a quick question from the, from the chat. Uh, uh-huh. So our guy Archer was talking about the 2012 Bama line and he said, uh, that line had two first rounders, a second rounder, and a fourth rounder, and an undrafted free agent. And I'm like, bro, you're you're in a Notre Dame chat. Like that's nothing. Notre Dame's 2015 <laughs> offensive line had three first round picks, a second rounder, uh, and I said a guy that uh, retired uh, from football because Steve Elmer would to me would have yeah. been a fourth or fifth round pick if he doesn't retire. Steve Elmer was the guy. That was yeah. the guy we're talking about. Steve Elmer. So Quentin Nelson, Ronnie Stanley, Mike McGlinchey, all top ten picks. Nick Martin was a second round pick, and then Steve Elmer was the guy that retired. I just want to make sure we're clear on that of the conversation going on in the chat about it. Yeah. So that's uh that's our confidence picks, Vince. What, what yeah. are your, what are the things as you look into this season and you, and you project this offensive line of, of kind of what we know right now, what would you say Vince are the things that you view as the biggest questions? It, it, it can be personnel. It can be, mm-hmm. you know, potential it can be whatever what would you say are probably your two biggest questions that the answer to will have the biggest impact on whether this is just an eighth or ninth or tenth line or maybe disappoints or this team reaches its potential what are the things that that uh and it's kind of the opposite of the last one what are the questions you have that you say they could hold this unit back a little bit but if they get answered this team's yep. this offensive line is going to be really good. So the first one for me is the the Joe Rudolph influence, and and that that has has a multitude of answers to it, but that's my biggest question. What is the Joe Rudolph influence? I I, I need to see that. Like, are they going to adapt like a, a tough like you know? Are they going to be like his personality? Are they going to be just technically sound? Like what what is his influence on this offensive right. line? That's a question mark for me in uh, games, not practice in games. games. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And then the, the next one is the, is the right guard position in here. And here's why I say that, because if you have Andrew Christophic, you've got a good right side, you've got a steady right side, steady. right? You've got a, you've got a right side that can do work and they'll be good. Right. High floor. If it's a Rocco Spindler right side and he steps into that right guard spot, the ceiling just got higher and that becomes a, potentially dominant right side or Ashton Craig. I would also throw him in there. And that's fair. In that conversation that's too. totally fair. So what are the answers at right guard? Because the answers at right guard will tell me what kind of an offensive line this is going to be as a whole. So those are my two biggest questions about the line. 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty much with you on those Vince. I think you know how just how good is Joe Rudolph going to be is a big mm-hmm. question mark that we can't possibly know answers to until we get into the the games, right? And, and then even then, there's still going to be questions down the road of okay, it was he building on what Harry did, or you know, because like we point, I remember us you and I talking about the 2021 season. And the point you and I made was on 2019 and 2021. The the off or the 2019-2020, the offensive line was still dominated by guys that started their careers playing for Harry Heastan. That played for him right. at least for a year. Yep. Saren Banks I remember was recruited. This, right? I remember this show specifically. That you're and the 2021 yeah. season was the first year that it was the opposite. There was only mm-hmm. one guy that had was recruited by and played under Coach Heastan. That was uh, Josh Lug. That was it. And so you weren't going to have that Harry Heastan influence anymore. What was it going to look like? And it struggled mightily. Well, now you're in a situation where, you know, Joe Rudolph needs to establish it in year one and then build on it. But that's an unknowable that we won't know till down the road. But I do feel like the difference here, however, is Harry Heastan was only here for a year the second time. Right. So there's a, there's a little bit of a, he'll get credit for if this offensive line is really good and he should because he he turned the tide. But I feel like Joe Rudolph is going to have a lot more of a say in the success than, let's say, Jeff Quinn did in 2018 when he took over for Coach Eastan, because that was an, uh, you know, that that line was a bunch of dudes that had played a bunch of football for Coach Eastan. So that's kind of where, where I look at it, is I, I do feel like He's going to have – if this line's really good, I'm going to be more confident that it's going to be sustained moving forward because the 2018 offensive line at Notre Dame was pretty good, and that was – and we thought it was being coached by a guy that wasn't a great coach. Mm-hmm. So – but I feel like because of the circumstances, I'll feel a little bit more confident that coaches. But the other part, too, is it, it, the physicality. If the physicality's there, that'll that'll make me feel better. That's really the big question for me is yeah. – is this going to be – I think Joe Rudolph is going to have this line knowing what to do. I'm confident in that. No doubt about that. The question for me probably, Vince, now that I'm kind of talking through, you know I me, mean? I just go on these like – I know. The, and it just hits me like, okay, I think I know where I'm going with this. Uh, I think what it comes down to, my question really is, I have no doubt he's going to get them – the technique's going to be solid at the very least. They're going to know what to do because Wisconsin's run games were actually relatively complex – they're not simple. They were complex. So I think he can teach that stuff. The question is, can he teach them to be brutes? Can he get them to play with force, with physical, with that nation, with that drive, with that just attitude? To just, I, wanna, I don't want to just beat you. Yeah. I want to humiliate you. Like there's this, uh, there's this, uh, you know, people will talk, there's a, a, you know, this reactions to like Larry Bird and, and these like highlights of Larry Bird. And there was one where he was just like, you know, asking Craig Elo, like, is your mom watching this game? You know what <laughs> I mean? He just tried to humiliate people. Like, you take your soul. Uh, told a guy that you should have stayed in preaching. You know I mean? Just was trying to, hum- it just wasn't enough to beat you. I had to take your spirit. And that's kind of how I felt like coach. He stands best lines were. They didn't just want to beat you. They wanted to, they wanted to take away your willingness to fight anymore. You know, like, isn't that what war is, right? Like, Mm-hmm. Victory in war is when the the uh, the opponent no longer has the ability or willingness to keep fighting, right? And and that's kind of on <laughs> on a non fatal standpoint. That's kind of what you're looking for here. Is that's that's sure. when you've got you whipped your opponent. Do they have that? 
We don't know. Can he get that out of them? I don't know. That to me is probably my biggest question. And personnel wise, it's just like, it's along the same lines. It's yes, the guards and all that. That's very important. My big one is, can Blake Fisher take that big jump? Yeah. That's my big question. Because I feel like if Blake takes the big jump, this team is going to be really good. Because he can then bring along the right guard. You know what I'm saying, Vince? Like if Blake is like, I expect part of the reason I'm not worried about Billy as much is because he's right in between Joe and Zeke. Right. Right. Where where the right guard is kind of like, okay, can Blake have that same influence? It was unfair to ask him to do that last year because he was a redshirt freshman who had two career games under a game and a half under his belt and missed a whole season of practice. Well, that's not the case anymore. He's now a veteran. And so can he have that? carry that guy forward with him uh, impact on the right guard position. And if he's the guy that I think he's going to be, or can be anyway, he can have that impact. Mm -hmm. So that's probably my second biggest question that I don't know the answer to yet with Blake. And if it's answered a positively, then this offensive line is going to be exceptional. Because if you really think about those great lines that Notre Dame had 15, 17, they were pretty darn good at both tackle spots. Mm-hmm. Even the 17 line was like, who was your tackle going to be? It was either Hainsey or Kramer, but they were very good. They were very good players. 18, you look at it. You had Eichenberg and Hainsey. You had them for the next three years. 2020, those guys were both three- and four-year starters by that point in time. And you're just like, yeah, you're lo- pretty locked in a tackle. And so can they? Can they? Can he have that influence, Vince? That's a good question. Yeah. And if he does – this team's going to be really flipping good, really flipping good. So let's make some bold predictions, Vince. What? Give me two bold predictions for the Notre Dame offensive line. And the bold prediction is not that Joe Joe Ralt is a unanimous All-American. That's not a bold prediction, okay? So I'm just going to take that one off the table right now. That's funny. Give me a real bold prediction. Yeah. All right. So my first one, and I don't know how bold this is. I always have trouble with this, and, and I know – and we've got to caution the chat, obviously, that our bold predictions, they're bold for a reason, they're, right? right? We're not they're meant to be fun. Right. Correct. Like best case scenario, maybe yes. even beyond type of situations. They're right. meant to be the fun part of the breakdown. And that's that's where – so so for my first one, I'm going with a, a, a team stat. And I'm going to say that Notre Dame uh, averages 210 yards on the ground Okay. Uh, per game. And okay. there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one – I think they're obviously the offensive line is going to be really, really good. Number two, I think the they've got a pretty darn good stable of backs behind them. Okay. And it's a bold prediction overall because who, who the quarterback is, right? I mean, people think they're going to be slinging the ball all over the place and doing all these different things. This is still Marcus Freeman. He's still going to have his thumbprint on this team. They're mm-hmm. still going to run the ball and it's still going to be effective. I also think that there's going to be some games where they're going to be well ahead and they're going to run the ball and they're going to break a few of those runs and because you're going to see some of these backs who haven't gotten a lot of touches they're going to get some touches behind this offensive line and they're going to they're going to break it and they're going to go and they're going to be able to accumulate some of those yards on the ground maybe some late in the game you know that kind of a thing this is still going to be a running football team i'm not saying that's all they're going to do but i think they're going to run the ball very effectively and i think some of these blowouts they're going to get an opportunity to kind of run up that rushing total as well. So I'm, I was going to say 200. I upped it to 210. Uh, reason being, if they if they average 200 yards, and we're basing I'm basing this on uh, last year. Okay, right. if they're 200 yards, they're top 24. 
Okay. Uh-huh. If they're 210, they're top 15 in, in rush yards. Well, and you also have to keep in mind there's going to be fewer opportunities most likely this year because of shorter, uh, slightly shorter games. Sure. That, right? that's a, that, that yes. is a very good point. Yeah. That, I always right. forget about that part with the yeah. new rule change and all that stuff. Right. But so it's a bold prediction. 210 on the ground. Yeah, especially Vince, because I do think this team is going to be more balanced even than you do, uh, it, it would seem. Because, yes, they're going to still be a team that needs – like I would say is I wouldn't necessarily – I think they're going to be a running football team. What I'm going to say is they're still a team that puts a great value on being able to run the football yes. whenever they want to run the football. Yeah, there you there go. may be times they run for a buck fifty because they run 10 RPOs and they're hitting big play-action shots sure. and it's, the, the opportunities aren't there. Look, so to me, two top, 210 yards to me would be a pretty good stat line for mm-hmm. me. Uh, my, my my bold prediction statistically is that they're going to average five and a half yards per carry or okay. more. Now that puts them in the top eight or nine based on last year. And the reason I, I focus more on that number is in the first couple years of the new rule change, I'm going to put a lot more emphasis on the the average yards per play than I do yards per game. Because especially for the first half of the season, I'm not going to really know what a good yard per game average is. Because that's true. That's true. You, you, you know, you're, 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 the teams that you're playing, you know, there's all types of circumstances that we go into. But I do know that no matter how many plays you run, whether it's 30 or 90, I do know what a good yard per carry or yard per attempt average looks like. And so if, if bold predictions, so anytime you're predicting a top 10 statistic, that's pretty good. You know, the 2000 and uh, Notre Dame's 2020 offensive line, as good as it was, averaged 5.02 yards per carry. Notre Dame's 2017 offensive line, which which was elite, averaged 5.6.3 yards per carry. And then the 15 offensive line, which is also still pretty good, was 5.6. So a part of me wants to go even higher and go sure. above 5.5, five, but 5.5 five, five gets you in the top 10 most years. And so – I'm actually going to go for for that. And I think also when you look at their 15 and 17 offensive lines, they had quarterbacks in both years that ran for a lot of yards. I mean, in, in 2015, Deshaun Kaiser ran for 520 yards and averaged 3.9 yards per carry. In 2017, Brandon Wimbush for average eight, went for 800 yards and averaged 5.7 yards per carry. If you put a more traditional quarterback number on there, I think it looks a lot different. You know, and so I and, and even though I think Sam Hartman can 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 run and he can move, I, you know, Ian Book averaged four point two yards per carry, ran for four hundred eighty five yards. I, I don't expect Sam Hartman to do that. Even right. two years ago in twenty twenty one, when Sam Hartman had eleven rushing touchdowns, he had three hundred sixty three yards and only averaged three point one yards per carry. That, right, you know, he'll like be effective in the red zone running right. the ball. I have a feeling moving you know the change, I mean? you yeah. know, picking up some yep. first downs. Yep. But yep. Yep. you know, this past year, Sam Hartman averaged ran for one hundred twenty nine yards and one point three yards per carry. Now, part of that was it seemed like there was a little bit more of an unwillingness on Wake Forest to to have him out there running. And I don't know if maybe part of that was the you know the 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 injury the you know, the, the heart thing that he, that he dealt with in the preseason. I don't know if it was that, if it was the offensive line wasn't as good. There was a lot of factors into that. I could see him being more of a 250 to 300 yard guy at the most average around three to three and a half of care. That's a far cry from Brandon Wimbush averaging, you know, five point, what did I say? 5.7. Yeah. Right. So it, that's why the Notre Dame offensive line in 2017 averaged uh, six, you know, five, uh, 
excuse me, I just looked at Wake Forest numbers. Like, no, they, they did a lot better than that. No, Wake Forest in 2017 was uh, four point something. But that's why Notre Dame averaged 6.4 yards per carry in 2017 is because you had a quarterback that averaged 5.7 yards per carry, right? And and so I look at that and I say minimum five and a half. And, and, and if anything beyond that, and this offense is is really cooking. And if they can get up to six, then this off then this run game is going to yeah. be really nasty. Absolutely. It's going to be really nasty. And, and to me, that's going to matter a little bit more to me than total yards. Uh, uh, you know, because they could go out there and have run for 160 yards and average 6.2 yards per carry. And you're like, that's a pretty darn good day of, of, of work. And you say, well, you only ran for 160 yards. Yeah, but it's because they do more RPOs now. And 10 sure. called run plays were pulls because the defense was overloading the box or whatever the case may be, right? So you have to look into those type of things and, and oh, for sure. evaluating it for sure. But uh, just pure rushing yards, I could, I that's kind of where I'm at. That's my bold prediction. Do you have a second bold prediction, Vince? This year, I'm getting back on the Zeke Carell bandwagon. Okay, and I think he's going to end the season as a top three center in the country. Okay, so okay, I, I think he's going to play really well. I think he's going to he's going to take to this leadership role. He's going to. I mean, I I just think he's at the end of the day, he's going to be the leader of this offensive line. And that, I mean, that's what I want from my center. Uh, I, I think he's going to be the leader of this offensive line. I think he's going to, that is going to translate in his play because he's going to play with a tremendous amount of confidence. Another year in the weight room is going to make him even stronger. And I don't think we're going to see as many getting beat off the snap uh, as many times as it happened last year. Now, again, he recovered and those were great. That, that was awesome. I just don't think we're going to see that as much this year. Right. And so I think he takes his game to another level. And if he's top eight right now, I think he'll be top three. So I'm going to, I'm going to make my bold prediction based on what you just said. Oh, if your bold prediction is correct, then here's my bold prediction. And that is that Notre Dame wins the Joe, Joe Moore award. Oh, if nice. Zeke Carell is a top three national center, which means he's making second, third team, all American type of lists. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I say second team, because just cause you're, not everyone's going to view you as number three. If you're that good, someone may view you as number two, just like we saw last year, Joe Alt being first and second, right? So yep. you're talking about a guy making second and third team All-American honors on top of what we're expecting from the tackles. That's a Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. And I think their efficiency numbers are going to be exceptional. And we'll get into some of the reasons why as we get into, you know, somebody said uh, one of the questions was if Notre Dame averages six yards a carry, what does that mean for Sam Hartman in the passing attack? Well, my whole thing is I think it's, the passing attack is going to be a big part of the reason that they average six yards of carry, right? Does You know what I mean? Like that's going to be a big factor in why, sure. because the passing attack is really good. The RPO game is good. They're efficient. They're getting in a lot of second and twos. I hope the defenses like are in a bind. Like, okay, do we load up to stop the run? Do we sit back to stop the pass? And then right. Notre Dame does their RPO thing and they take whatever right. the defense gives them. Like, yeah, that's or you've got to, you've got to keep that overhang out a little bit. And I'm right. just going to, crush you with with aldrick estimate and exactly. my other backs right those are and you hopefully get a few more and this the other thing too is like if you look at last year's yards per per uh, rush attempt vince it was actually impressive when you consider they just weren't a team that had a lot of big runs you know i mean you know aldrick estimate was at, at 5.9 yards per carry logan Diggs was at 4.98 yards per carry that means your starters were your two main guys were around five and a half yards of carry Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's I'm I'm doing the math now. So it's 321 carries. Yeah, they're at 5.4 yards per carry. Right. And your quarterback averaged 2.3 yards per carry and your other one averaged 3.4. So you were a little under 3.0 yards per carry. 
then you had you know minus 23 yards on 13 plays from your team you know so you were a 4.8 4.9 five yards per carry team when you ran the football last right. year for the most part so you know i think five and a half to me if they get to five and a half six man it's that's going to be one heck of an offense that's going to be one heck of a, it really I, is it really we've been is. talking about this for a while and we saw glimpses of it in the spring i mean i I just, if you're a fan of offensive football, I just I feel like this season is going to be the season for you. You know, and I, I use you metaphorically, right? I, I just think you're going to see some points scored. You're going to see some big plays. You're going to see Notre Dame go over the top. You're going to see some bruising running. I mean, it, if you're a fan of offense, you're going to enjoy this season. If you're a Notre Dame fan, I I firmly believe that. And we can, you know, we're, we're talking about the various question marks of the different position groups and all of those things. And those are all legit things. But if you're an offensive coach, you like where you are with Notre Dame right now overall. And they're going to put up points, man. They're going to score and they're going to put up points. And it's going to be – I'm really going to enjoy watching this team. Mm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Going from seasons where it's like, oh, my gosh, the offense just can't even move the football. Like, I, you know, I just don't see that being the case. You know, I think that's going to be a case on Friday nights with my kids team. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case on Saturdays well, when I'm I watching Notre Dame. I don't know if you've checked the, your email today, Vince, but we you did get approved for uh, did for credential this year. So you'll be able to watch it from the stadium. So that'll be good. <laughs> no more you and I sitting beside each other in the stadium in Langerdon 2021. Yeah, right. Uh, so in the in the stands, yeah, it'll be nice. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so anyway, Vince, that's going to kind of do it for this part of the show. We're going to have a mailbag next. But before we go, Vince, what do people need to do, man? Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button, the notification bell. Share this podcast. We've had a ton of sign-ups. So if you all remember several months, actually about seven, eight months ago, we made a decision to go away from PayPal. We're not using PayPal anymore. Oh, okay. That basically kind of canceled over 500 members. And so our numbers took a big a big Whoa. step back. We are already way past where we were when we made that decision. So we want to thank you all for that. I was actually crunching all those numbers last night. We've had uh, over half the people that did that still have not seen their subscriptions expire, so they can't resign. And oh gosh, we've probably had Vince of the annual memberships. We've had about an over ninety percent retention rate of the people whose expense annual memberships expired have resigned back up the new platform. So our numbers have really taken a big jump. So we're really happy about that. And that continues to grow. And so awesome. I want to thank you all for that. But if you haven't signed there, up, by the way, yeah, sign up, man. If you have not done so already, sign up for those. And you can find that at boards.irishbreakdown.com. 